Welcome back to Random Book Club Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Fan. With me today, as always, Justin Mason, indie author. It's great to have you back on this final book review chapter summary episode of Random Book Club Podcast. Justin, how you doing, bro? Well, Dan, as always. Was that too long of an intro? No, dude, it was awesome. (laughs) As always, man, I'm amazing, and I'm grateful to be here on the Random Book Club podcast. Today, we're looking at Chapter 24, and we're looking at the epilogue of The Sword of Bedwear, the first book of the Crimson Shadow series from R.A. Salvatore. We did it. And we got this far. We did it, man. We got to the end. Next time, it's going to be the full review. We're going to have a shortened review. I mean, dude, I'm excited, man. This is the culmination of everything that has happened in this book so far, and when you look back at it, there's actually been quite a bit. Yes, there has. So let's jump right into it. Absolutely. RBC podcast fashion. Chapter 24, The Demon. Summary. I am Morkney no more, the beast proclaimed. Gaze upon the might of Prehotek and be afraid. This was a, like so awesome. It was. It's a great introduction for Jumps a right into the chapter. Love it. Luthien whispers, and he was indeed afraid. A demon, Oliver explained, gasping for breath from more than just the long run up the stairs, Luthien knew. The clever wizard type has lent his material body to a demon. So it explains it. You know, it's like, okay, so we don't really know what happened last, you know, last chapter. um, He's bulging and stuff. And we're like, so is was he a demon the whole time? And now Oliver just says he lent his body. To the demon. Ooh. So this is, yeah, it's a really, first of all, it's a really cool transformation scene. It sets the stage for what you know should be a fight in the showdown. I didn't know if it was going to end here or not. I didn't know if they were actually going to defeat Markney or if he right. was going to escape. I wasn't certain what all was going to happen. So I was really excited to kind of jump in and find out. Um, let me know when it's okay, and I'll go ahead and read the next bit. Hit it up, bub. Luthien and Oliver resolved themselves for battle. As Shaban joins up behind them, the half-elf fired an arrow as the demon-possessed wizard reached out its claw hand and summoned a fierce gust of wind to blow away the shot harmlessly and also send Oliver over the battlements. For a moment, I was like, damn it, Dan, you foreshadowed his death. When did I do that? I thought he was, you were like, I hope Oliver doesn't die. Oh, when we yeah. were first doing these episodes, yeah. I was like, no, he's dead. And then I'm like, wait, he has a magic grapple. <laughs> he sure does. Then the snake-faced demon grinned wickedly as he released the wind, and Oliver fell out of sight. Luthien charged, and Siobhan started plunking arrows rapidly to no obvious damage. The fight continued with a few good slashes and shots. The young bedwear noticed a slight tremor in the demon's skin as the glint of its eyes that seemed to show some inward battle for control of the body. So I pulled two things out of this. Mm -hmm. First of all, I pulled that the transformation wasn't permanent. Yep. And I also pulled that what Luthien was doing with his sword, what Shaban was doing with their arrows, was actually damaging the demon, regardless how tough he tried to look. Yeah, to me, what it what it said is, well, first, I really liked when he's talking about the skin's, like, rippling or something, or, like, the eyes, he sees a glint in his eye where it's like, oh, like, this guy's like fighting quiver. something internally. Yeah. And it, what that told me is, like, this demon was allowed out, but Morkany's still there somewhere, and Morkany's going, hold up, hold up, don't kill the man. Let and me going do like that, this. you know. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, and yeah. so he's fighting with that, and it seems like every time 
even though it didn't seem like physically there was a whole lot of damage being done to the demon itself, every time he was getting hit, it like took away his concentration from maintaining control of mm-hmm. the mortal body. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, now we're learning more about how demons work with wizards conjuring them and stuff. And and I really like that, right? Because a lot of times you see a monster dragon show up or you see a monster demonic creature show up and they can't be hurt no yeah. matter what. There's no way. And like you look at the creature, you're just like, how do I hurt you? Like, yep. what do I even do? And then here it's like, it's a much more humanized version of this transformation of this demon. And I really liked how uh, Robert does that. Yes. Then we cut back to Oliver, who observes the area. So Oliver didn't die. He just fell off the edge, but he's on another yeah. part of the uh, another parapet somewhere. He's got his grapnel. Noting people yelling at the top of the tower, like like pointing and yelling at the top of the tower, and more guards heading to stave off the riot. Every bit of self-serving common sense told Oliver that he should find a quick escape. But before he knew it, he was setting his grapnel high up and making his way to his friend. I was clapping. I was cheering. I was like, yes, yes, climb the tower, you crazy bastard. Because here's why. I immediately had flashbacks to him ditching and leaving his friend uh, when he was younger. And I was like, I was like, you're not that guy anymore. You and Luthien are friends. you got to have his back, dude. You cannot leave him there. And when I saw him climbing back up the tower, I'm like, that's a best friend. That's what Dan would do. And it was totally a, it was totally a, um, really cool reversal in writing because he's writing it as if Oliver is going to escape. So he's writing saying Oliver's looking, he sees a a few places where he can make a quick escape, but before he knew it, the call of friendship happened or something like that. I had making his way up as good. I got, I got tears in my eyes for that part, dude. I was was like internally, internally, like the crowds were cheering. I'm like, yes, you have to climb back up. That's exactly what I was saying. Inside the cathedral, the cutters were helping the rioters, but the gargoyles and skeletons were too much for the enraged crowd. The plan now was finding an escape. Back to Luthien, the desperate spite went on as the young bedwearer fought ferociously using all the skill and finesse he could muster. Prayatek sensed the dangers of continuing the fight on even ground, so he spread his wings and started to launch himself into the air, but Luthien wasn't going to let him escape. Luthien lunged at the demon, taking a raking gash to the back. The rush of adrenaline muted the pain as he plunged his sword into the stomach of the nearly airborne demon. Smoking greenish goo poured out from the wound. So part of me was like, that ain't going to do shit. And the other part of me was like, that's a pretty good hit. Is he, is he really going to kill him that easy? I'm I know. Like, what? It, no. th- there's several parts where it shows him doing like crazy damage to this thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. and he talks about in the next part how he's like pulling his sword back and forth, trying to gut the demon out. And it looks yeah, as yeah. if this could be it. Yeah. It's awesome. Viciously pushing and pulling his sword, Luthien caught a glimpse of the wavering control the demon had on the wizard's material body. Then its bulging, scaled arms beat down on the man's shoulders, dropping Luthien to his knees. The abyssal creature peered down at the nearly defeated man, but then looked up as Shaban shot another arrow directly into the eye of the beast. Luthien used the opening to skewer his sword into Prayotek's head all the way up to the sword's hilt, which now pulsed along with the heartbeat of the crazed demon. I loved it. It was loved so it. brutal. It was. Uh, where he's he's got his sword right up to his hilt in the guy's head. And it's going, yep. choo, 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 choo. I'm like, okay, that was the kill shot. It was pretty cool. You know, yeah. it, rip it his, pretty rip cool. his face out. 
Yeah. But the fight continues, of course. That's only level one. You got to fight three, it, three layers of a... This this isn't even my final form, bro. This isn't even my final this form, isn't bro. Even my, this isn't even my first form, bro. <laughs> Bring it on, Kakarot. <laughs> a stone-splitting roar bellowed from the beast, snapping Luthien's sword at the hilt. It stood tall and proclaimed such puny weapons could not destroy him. Prayotek, who was lived a centuries untold. It then reached into its own guts to extract the now goo-covered blade, laughing all the while. At the re at this point, Shaban gets knocked over the edge and falls hard onto a landing below, casting her out of the fight, with Lucian Luthien facing off the demon alone and severely wounded. Yeah, it looked bad for our boy Luthi. Yeah, Luthi was in trouble. And it is also really messed up to see um uh, Prehotek pulling the sword out of his own guts and just being happy about it. It was so disturbing. And he's the whole time he's going, you think your puny human weapons can defeat me? Prehotek? A, a demon who has lived for centuries untold? And it's like, you're right. I'm just a human. Yep, you got it. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> Luthien, Luthien struggled to his knees. Oh, this is, uh, wait, no, this is a part from the book that I wanted to share. Luthien had no more energy to battle the monster. He was defeated. He knew that, and knew, too, that if Greensparrow had indeed made such allies as Preotech, as Brindamore had claimed, and as Morkney had apparently proven true, then the shadow, then a shadow might indeed soon cover all of Eriador. Luthien struggled to his knees. He wanted to die with dignity, at least. He put one foot under him, but paused and stared hard at the monster. So this is when he's like, you know what? I'm I'm going to actually just die now, but I'm going to stand up and die. So at this part here, when we get to the next part, uh, where it says, but the demon was not looking at Luthien. It was looking up, screaming an argument that the kill was rightfully his. Then with its face twitching, we hear Duke Morkney's voice proclaiming that the kill was his. Yep. When we, when we got to this part, maybe it's just because I'm a writer. Maybe it's just because that's honestly probably what I would have done. I'm like, huh, he's going to transform back and Luthien's going to kill him. Yep. And not and not because not because it was necessarily predictable because if you don't if you're not proficient in it maybe you wouldn't see that, but I honestly was like he's gonna transform back to a human, try to kill Luthien, get distracted because Oliver's coming back and Luthien's gonna kill him. Yeah, so it makes me wonder like why did the wizard let him take over his body in the first place? Why couldn't he just like summon him from like a summoning circle or something? You know, and then that way. Like, well, I maybe, guess you maybe wouldn't, that's you wouldn't maybe have that's control works in this world. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's not how it works in this world. Yeah. And um, there's obviously the, the, you know, if that demon had gotten out of hand, there's no way to stop him as opposed to being inside the demon. You can just come out whenever you want. Um, so, yeah, it, it was a it was a really cool scene because, you know, Luthien's down on he's basically going to die and he's his yeah. face is down and he's just like, all right, I'm going to do this. He staggers up to his feet. And then when he looks up, he sees the demon doesn't, isn't even paying attention to him. And he's just no. raving about how he deserves the kill and he's going to get power from the flesh of this kill and yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. And then this is what confirms to us, you know, in the last episode, you said maybe Morkney's not so bad. Maybe he's, yeah. you know, undercover agent hanging with Brindy. However, what we learn at this moment by him saying, no, the kill is mine, you know? It's like, no, this guy's bad. This He's guy's bad. straight up bad. And then you learn further 
as we go along. A little along. fan fiction. I had a little fan fiction. I thought maybe you a little know, fan fiction. Maybe it wasn't bad, you know. And uh, so when he looks up, the enemy demon no more. And now it's just Morkney's skinny old naked body scooping up his robes. Morkney yeah. mocks the pith- Morkney mocks the pathetic display in front of him. Luthien barely able to remain standing. He tells the wounded and exhausted young man to lie down and die. Luthien almost does, bowing his head, but sees a sign of what was lost. Oliver's rapier. He picks it up, steadies himself, and finds one last ounce of resolve to finish things one way or another. He sees Oliver's rapier. His friend who's dead to him. Well, he doesn't know. He's just like, it's, yeah, a, sim- sure. it's a symbol of everything he's lost. You know? Yep. Oliver went over the edge. At this point, Shaban's over the edge. It's just him by himself. He looks down and sees the rapier, and he's like, I... Going down one way or another. This is it. Staggering toward his now wizardly foe, rapier aimed at the Duke's heart, Morkney starts mocking the man again, stating that he does not need a demon to defeat a mere swordsman, and starts moving his hands in intricate gestures, chanting all the while. Luthien, and then this is from the book of what this chant was doing, what the spell was. I thought it was so cool I had to put it in there. Loved it. Luthien's back arched suddenly, and he froze in place, eyes wide with shock and sudden agony. Tingling energy swept through him, back to front and right out of his chest. It seemed to him, to his ultimate horror, that his own life energy was being sucked out of him, stolen by the evil wizard. So if he wasn't already close to death... Now he's definitely... He's, he's literally at death's door. Yeah. Luthien's life energy was now being sucked away, his dying heart beating so fast that he thought it might explode. And just as all hope seemed lost, a looped rope spun over the Duke's head and tightened onto his shoulders. Pulling on the other end was Oliver de Burroughs crawling over the battlements. Bruh! <laughs> I was like... You bastard. Ali D. Ali D. He even comes in and like he's got his hat and he like waves at the Duke. It's awesome. "Mm, Yep. Sorry. (laughs) This pulled Morkney's attention out of the parasitic spell and now free Luthien wasted no time and plunged the slender tip of the rapier into the distracted wizard's heart. They stood face to face for a long moment, Morkney staring incredulously at this curious young man, at the man who had just killed him. The Duke chuckled again for some reason, then slumped dead into Luthien's arms, where I'm clapping, I'm screaming, I'm like, yes, yes, kill him, yes! I'm like, now where's the demon? <laughs> I expected it, yep. I'm glad. I'm glad we didn't get it. Yeah, we don't really know where the demon went. He just kind of uh, transformed back into human without yep. any wounds. It was just kind of weird. He's not a werewolf. I, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. Down below in the nave, the gargoyles turned to stone and crashed to the floor, and the skeletons and running corpses lay back down to their eternal sleep. Quick thinking, Oliver sees the mob of people below and tells Luthien to throw the dead wizard over the ledge. Luthien is reluctant, so Oliver pushes the duke off the ledge, and the rope slips around the duke's shoulders to his neck, hanging his naked body above the people. Everyone recognized the body and joined the riot. I'm glad Luthien didn't just go, yeah, hang his ass and yeah. throw him over. Because that would be that would be like Luthien descending into like that's not Luthien. Yeah. But it is I think it is Oliver. For sure. In in the case of Morkney, I think it's Oliver. Because I think Oliver stands for what those people want. He is like an embodiment of everything that people need, and he is like the conduit from the people to Oliver to Luthien. 
Yeah. And I really liked that about this scene. Luthien didn't do it, and I'm happy. But Oliver was like, dude, we need to do this. And poof, he's dead anyway. I don't think Luthien could have even done it if he had the energy because he's that's the type of person he is, you know? Yeah. He, yeah. He just it doesn't seem right to him to do that to another person, even though this person almost killed him, you know? So yeah. I liked, I liked how they continued with that. So Luthien's staring in shock at everything that happens. And after it's all said and over, Shaban rejoins the group with a smile on her face, even yep. though she's exhausted. Yep. So she climbs her way back up somehow. And then they all meet up. And that is the last chapter of the book. So now we have our party of three, basically. Yep. Oliver, uh, Luthien, and Shaban. And uh, I like this. I saw this entire scene as like a Dungeons and Dragons fight. Yeah. It was a very, and it was quick. It wasn't very fast. I think this fight was shorter than the first fight against Garth Rogar. Yeah. Well, that first fight against Garth Rogar was like 14 chapters, wasn't it? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There was a couple Um, interludes there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But uh, we have some special people in this chapter. Or uh, a, a special person. A special character. How about that? Yep. Uh, Prehotek, a demon, lived for untold centuries. Yeah, I, I, he has to be in there. He's now a named demon. He, he, he says his name is Prehotek, and you know he's not happy about not getting this kill against Luthien. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is an awesome chance to bring him back. I don't think this is the last we've seen of Praetor, right. and I think we'll see more. And I even believe that it's possible that Green Sparrow could channel Praetor. Oh the yeah, series. and like my predictions because they even say something like, "Do you like the, when the when?" Okay, sorry, I'm too excited. When Duke Morkney comes back into his mortal body, he says, "Do you think uh, now you can see the power of Green Sparrow's brotherhood and what we can do and who we can talk to?" So he's yeah. saying, "We, we brotherhood, that kind of thing." So you know, mm-hmm. other dukes are talking to demons too and i bet mm-hmm. you when homie went back to the demon realm he's not happy and so mm-hmm. he's probably going to go straight to green sparrow and say one of your freaking dukes didn't let me kill this you know miscreant or bitch, whatever bitch boy luthien yep. yeah let me come back and or otherwise you know my demons and i are rolling out or something like it's so awesome to have a demon on your tail it adds such a a crazy um like scariness in the back of your mind, kind of like the Resident Evil games when you got uh, those guys chasing Nemesis. you. Nemesis yeah, just Nemesis chasing chasing you through the halls and stuff. You know he's there. You know you can get away, but you just don't know when he's going to show up, man. And you got you all that just, extra pressure. Yep. You just don't know. So, so it, it, makes, actually, it makes him more epic. It makes Luthien more epic. You know, you said that 24 was the last chapter, but there's actually one final chapter. Well. The epilogue. Yes. So it's well, technically... You're absolutely correct. Epilogue. We are on the epilogue. Let me set the stage. Set it. The snow lay thick along the quiet streets of Montfort. Nearly every street lined with the red stains of spilled blood. Luthien sat atop the roof of a tall building in the lower section, looking out over the city and the lands to the north. We learn now Deep in winter, the people of Montfort are in full revolt. Luthien is the Crimson Shadow as their leader, and they were winning. A well-armed force of Cyclopean guards still held the inner city. Rumors said it was being led by Viscount Aubrey, 
Luthien hoped the rumors were true because he yes, wants to. Yes. Let's he be real. He's going he's going to kill a bitch. Yep. Mr. Aubrey himself, Mr. I don't like leak soup. Going to get a leak we're soup. Ne- we're going right to give we're going to stop some leak soup <laughs> up his freaking. Yeah. He's going to get some. He's going to get some real cold leak soup. The Cutters and Dwarves, busy fighting and planning a mission to the mines to free the rest of Shuglin's kin from enslavement. Luthien starts thinking about everything as he does, planning for spring, for the inevitable army from Avon that's sent from King Greensparrow. He knew this was going to be time to make some tough decisions, but still didn't know where to start. Oliver then joins up with Luthien to tease him about surveying his new kingdom, but is actually there to introduce a visitor. Mm-hmm. I want to finish this, and then I have to tell you what I was thinking. Yep. A woman climbs to the roof, joining the two friends, carrying something wrapped in cloth, her green eyes the same sh- shade as Siobhan's. Luthien realized as recognition kicked in. Catherine O'Hale made her way to Luthien and presented him with the wrapped item. His eyes went wide when he saw Blind Striker, his family's treasured sword. Before... He got Blind Striker. What did you think I thought she was handing him? I thought you th- I thought that you thought that it might be Ethan coming up. That's a good one. I never thought it would be Ethan. You know what I thought she was gonna hand him? No freaking clue. A BB? A BB? A BB bedwear? I legitimately thought she was gonna bring him a baby and that would start some drama between her and Siobhan. Yeah, I guess you could I'm say not that. Kidding. You could totally I say that so. because yep. um, the last time they were together was probably nine months ago. His eyes went wide when he saw Blind Striker from Garrus, your father, and the rightful Earl of Bedridgen, Catherine O'Hale explained, her tone stern and determined. Luthien looked searchingly into her eyes, wondering what had happened. Catherine reveals Avaness has been imprisoned and the Cyclopians have been rid of the island. Garrus followed Luthien's lead in revolt and now knows his father will have his back in the coming war. I was like, dun, what a dun, great, dun, dun, yep. dun, 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 dun. I was like celebrating. Dude. What a this great epilogue. Shit. You know, so you know book two is going to be super depressing. Yeah. It's so good because it's just <laughs> setting up something awesome. You know, We'll get into it. Go ahead and finish us off here. The young man glanced all about, from the smiling Catherine to the smiling Oliver to the snow-covered rooftops of the quiet city to Shaban plotting his destruction <laughs> of jealousy. <laughs> you know somewhere she's brooding over this. Um, to the cooing baby this... in the corner. <laughs> yeah, Luthia's baby. He was faced with the decision then, Luthien knew. But this time, unlike many events... He was making it consciously. Go out, Oliver, the young man said. Tell the people to take heart. Tell them that their war, the war for their freedom, has begun. Luthien again locked stairs with the proud woman of Hale. Go out, Oliver, he said again. Tell them they are not alone. As what an epic final line. As he's staring at Katarin, you know, like I saying, like, she goosebumps. represents the Isle of Bedrigan, Garrus, and that whole island, his homeland, and he's saying... Tell them they're not alone, saying, like, we get it. One big point I want to make. Look at the respect Isle Bedrogen must have for Catherine O'Hale if they're sending, I'm saying this for reference to the times, they're sending a woman to send that message. Well, who else would they send? I mean, 
Yeah, I guess Garrus himself. Garrus, any other warrior, any other male warrior. So that says something about Catherine's prowess in the city. Yeah, maybe she's... You don't mess with her. Maybe she's an up-and-comer. You know, this whole time, Luthien's been doing a bunch of stuff. She probably hasn't been sitting on her ass, you know? I hope not. I and, sure hope not. Uh, I love this chap. I love this epilogue, by the way. Yeah, it takes... The, the whole epilogue takes place, you know, probably like a month or two after, because we're in winter now. And the last yeah. chapter, when we're fighting Morkney, is in... The, they say something about the cold winds of October. So mm-hmm. we know we're probably in December, maybe January, and this fight has been going on for a while. They are winning, but, like, the Cyclopians are still in the inner city. They're still an issue. Um... So, but what I really like about this is even though it's so short, he's, Bob's so good at writing short chapters, being succinct with what, what he presents. He brings up the fact that Luthien's still kind of fighting with himself. He's like, he's now taken on this mantle as leader of this rebellion, basically, as the Crimson Shadow. And he knows there's going to be shit to, to get knocked or a war to have in the spring once all the mm-hmm. roads clear up. And now's his chance to kind of take over the city and start getting ready but he doesn't know what he doesn't know what decisions to make at this point he's never done this before and then at the very end it says he was faced with a decision then earlier in the epilogue he's faced with the the idea that he's going to have to make decisions but doesn't know where to start but here's his first decision that he's going to have to make and luthia knew or luthia knew as a decision but this time unlike the many events that had led him to this fateful point he was making it consciously. He wasn't just leaping before he looked. He wasn't just following his heart. He's like, now we're going forward, and I'm planning this out now. He's becoming a leader, and it's really cool. It was cool to watch Luthien growing as a leader in real time all throughout this book. Yeah. Loved it. Uh, I love the epilogue. It sets up the next book perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know we got a couple books Is it a war book? The... Is it just a war book? Like uh, is, book two is book two. Luthien's to my gamble? knowledge, is, is Lucian's gamble. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry. You read it though. Yeah, but I don't remember nothing about it other than the scene I thought was there, but it apparently is not there. You don't remember 45 years ago when you read it? <laughs> so anyway, I know we got some. I know we got some other books on the horizon for the Random Book Club podcast, but I'm actually looking forward at some point to reading Lucian's Gamble because yeah, this was absolutely really good. This was very good. Yeah, and I'm going to shoot out, I think this week I'm going to shoot out an email to Bob and with just like 10 questions about the book. See if he nice. responds back. If he does, he does. If he doesn't, doesn't. I don't have his email, but I'll just, <laughs> I'll figure it out. Tweet him. Well, worst if you comes tweet worst, him, he doesn't you know, with that, I mean, thousands of tweets a day, I bet, you know, it's not really whatever. built for long form, but whatever. Um, yeah, this, I, yeah, this book, this book was really a great first book to cut our teeth on. Um, yeah. And yeah, I'm, I'm just happy that we finished it. We did it. So of course, you know, for anybody watching this chapter 24 and epilogue breakdown discussion here, uh, what can they expect in the next episode for Sword of Bedwear? Good question. Um, we're closing shop. Thanks, guys. Uh, no, just kidding. <laughs> we're never doing another no. episode. Make sure you smash like and subscribe to a dead channel. <laughs> no, are, are we done? No, we're not. Sort of bed weird continues on because the shadow lives, as we all know. And uh, the next few episodes you're going to see are um, the whole book review, just a just a party, a pizza party. Yep. The monster, are you going to get some pizza? Form. You know what? Honestly, dude, I might get pizza for the next episode because I'm planning on it going about an hour to an hour and a half. So we're having a pizza party. Everyone's invited. And um, we're just going to be, you know, smacking our lips, talking about this great book. 
and you're going to hear all of it, man. And then we're yep. also going to, I'm going to do like a shorter one. That's more yeah. akin to, you know, other booktubers. So it's a little bit easier to digest. The little, the little, the little, the little booktube babies that, well, you that, know, need, a, if that I, need a 10 minute review. If I was an eighth grader and I was reading Damn. the sort of bedware and Jesus. I went on YouTube to look up the sort of bedware and I saw, you know, 16 episodes each an hour long, I'd be like, Hell yeah. I don't, yeah, know. I, I don't have to read the book. <laughs> but the 10 minute one, I might be able to get away with a, a C minus, you know? Yeah, it's true. So do less work and get a good enough grade to pass. Maybe, maybe I should uh, talk to Mrs. B and see if we can get the final test and, um, you know, just oh, get yes. all the answers. She, no, see if she's willing. Hey, seriously, message her and see if she's willing to, because if she's going to have questions about the book when they're all finished, see if she's willing to send the question to us and let us try to answer them too on the episode. That'd, That'd be, be cool. awesome. All right, we'll do that. That'd be sick. So with that, that's the plans for the future. We're going to be starting a new book uh, with a new co-host soon. Uh, yep. We'll just lining that up. Uh, not sure what that's going to be, but there will be a book announcement video for that when that occurs and podcast. So, uh, Justin, it's been wonderful to have you on this project. Thank you for joining me uh, for almost the last time uh, till we meet again. Do you have anything you want to plug? Um, I actually have multiple things I want to say, if that's okay. Please do. Well, there's some links in the description if you guys want to check out my fantasy book, uh, The Trinity of Heroes, or the sequel to that, Grim Ultimatum. Really fun fantasy story, simple. It's about some uh, up-and-coming knights, some young men aspiring to be knights. Uh, There's a good versus evil plot in there, some sorcery, some badass action. If you guys like fantasy, it's, it's, it's a pretty easy read. It's a lot of fun. I would definitely check it out on Amazon. Otherwise, if you're into like anime and manga, I have a light novel that I'm working on. It's called Tokyo Lightning. There's about eight uh, eight volumes of that published or so that is on Amazon as well. Also, be sure to follow us on Wattpad, Jared and Justin Authors. We do all kinds of random fun writing projects on there. Most of them unfinished, but hey, you know, what can you say? Um, Dan... Justin, are we are we revealing the next book that we are going to be review, reviewing on the channel together? Okay, yeah. So this will be secret because not everybody's going to watch or listen to the sort of bedweird podcast. But for those of you have who have stuck with us this whole time, we will give you the reveal right now before we do the book announcements. It'll, it'll happen several oh months God, from dude, now. Dude, this is this is too much, dude. Are you sure? I mean, this might. It's going to be good. Do, do you have the book in front of you? I don't have the book in front of me, but okay. I did get it. I do have I it upstairs. Will, I will pull it up in front of the screen. Okay. Awesome. So, guys, without further ado, we discussed it. I suggested a book because Justin suggested the first book, so I got to suggest the second book. And I'm just pulling it up now on Audible. Well, I guess it's taking too long, so we're closing Audible. It's a book that is much longer than this one. So we're going to have probably more episodes. Pulling up Kindle here. It's coming, guys. Every, everything is crashing. Nothing is working. And dude, Isn't that how it always goes? I don't have it on Kindle. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. I'll just tell them. Do it. Uh, we are going to read the Aeronauts Windlass from Jim Butcher. Jim Butchie, the guy who is most notably uh, known for uh, the Dresden Files series. Yep. He also wrote one book in a series called the Cinder Spire series. And mm-hmm. um, I don't think the second book's out or anything like that, but it's kind of a steampunky book. 
uh, it's new characters, everything like that. It's it's um, seems like it's going to be a cool read, and I think it's going to be right up Justin's alley. He's never read a book in the steampunk universe, I don't think. I have not ever or any st- sort of that kind of setting, I should say. I haven't. Never. Um, so I think it'll be a fun one, and uh, it's fantasy enough for those of you who like fantasy. So if you like this, you'll probably like that. It's also a good introduction to Jim Butcher without having to read the Je- the Dresden Files, which the first few books can be difficult for some people to get through because it was when he was very early off. Um, but that's a series that just gets better and better. So now you have a honed Jim Butcher writing a new concept that he probably wanted to write as opposed to having to write because that's where the paycheck comes from, you know? So this will be cool to check that out. So that was a little sneak peek for you guys that have stuck with us this whole time. So yeah, well, thank you guys for listening uh, to the episode. Thank you, Justin, for joining me. And I'm always happy to be here. We'll catch you guys next time on the Random Book Club podcast.